What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam. Ronald Acuna is back. Kalal. And we are Atlanta's own. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports with wacky-ass hijinks and analysis. Presented by the Pigskin Podcast Network. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, it's going excellent. Thanks, as always, for asking. Of course. I appreciate you mm-hmm. very much. Great to have you in my life. Always. And in this podcast. Yeah. It, I wonder how many sports podcasts sponsored by a football network record right before the NFL draft, Graham. Uh, I, I would say that if they do that, they probably have a show right after the first round. Right. <laughs> they, do a, they do a draft. Uh, before you said that, I forgot the draft was tonight. Um, they'll probably do like a little draft preview, and then after the first round, they'll, they'll get together immediately, record an episode, and get it out within you know a couple hours. Yeah. We so, are not that podcast. So, no, that's true. But all that being said, if the Falcons take either a wide receiver or a quarterback with that number eight overall pick, how hard are you going to flip? Um, as my friend Jordan used to say when we worked uh, at a company together, I had to question the direction of this company. Yeah. Um, I will, and, and, and by the company, I mean uh, Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith looks like he's on suicide watch. You see him in these press conferences, he looks like he's gained weight, his beard looks terrible. He looks depressed, disheveled, and just his, his answers are lethargic. Um, I, I don't know. But that's, that's a whole separate thing. It doesn't matter. That's just my interpretation of his appearance, which, as I said, doesn't matter. No, it matters. Here's my thing okay. with Arthur Smith. He comes from a multimillionaire family. Sure. Like, this man didn't need to work a day in his life. No. So, like, it's – I kind of – you need that, like, street – Grit to really yes. grind it out, sure. and like just want it more in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I mean, so being a head coach when it's like I could just be on the beach, right? You know, chilling. Yeah. Instead, I'm getting all these questions from all these assholes about <laughs> what I'm going to do with the shitty team that has no cap space and why an offensive-minded guy saw the offense drop off so much last year, right? It's got to be stressful. So, of course, he's going to look like shit. Yeah. He's getting made fun of left and right by Barstool Sports for his face. Yeah. Grew a beard out thinking that was cute. Didn't make anything better. It wasn't cute. And, yeah, yeah, it didn't make anything better. So, I feel for the guy. Sure. And imagine the pressure he feels in this moment right now. He's got to be sweating bullets right now as we speak. Because they have no idea how the first seven picks are going to play out. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I know a lot of, yeah, a lot of people are saying grab... Malik Willis grab um, some uh, receiver at eight potentially as well. I just think it's a waste of a draft pick to do that. I think either you need to trade back or or spend draft picks on offensive line, defensive line. I w- you know if there's a great offensive lineman out there at eight and you feel like he's going to be a cornerstone of your franchise for the next 10, 15 years, take him. You got to build the trenches. I mean, every single you're trench man. I'm a big trench man. Some of the Falcons have never understood. Yes, yes. We're, since, since we're, we're aware. We're aware of your love of the sacks. Trash. Last I, I year. understand, Graham. Gave I understand. Up 48 sacks. On I the understand. The users trash. understand. Trash. We don't need another trench lecture from you. I know, okay? but, I'm, but I'm just saying, if if they do not go to the trenches tonight heavily, then yeah, I, I I'm I'm gonna get pissy about um, Fontenot because he's gonna set the franchise back. See the picture of Caleb McGarry. He looks. He looks he's, he's looking jacked. Yeah. Um, He's a little pudgy boy. Yeah, no, he looks like a different person. I would not recognize him. I don't think I'd recognize him before, but I'd really not recognize him now. I think we have to pick up his fifth-year 
Has it been five years already with that guy? I think it's like this is his fourth year, and you have to Jeez. like pick it up now. Well, it's, which seems crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. Um, and which, yeah, and just and, and me and you know that's actually a good thing to bring up. Me sitting here beating my chest metaphorically and saying "Bow the trenches, bow the trenches, bow the trenches" doesn't mean shit if you miss on the pick. You know, for the trenches. Like, I mean, I would say right now, McGarry's a miss. Lindstrom, a hit. But unfortunately, the misses have been much larger in quantity than the hits for for this franchise recently. And just, I don't know. But I would rather go down swinging, saying even though I even though I know the whole best player available shit. But for the love of God, there's a lot of good defensive linemen in this draft, starting with Trayvon Walker from Georgia. Like, I'm not saying he's going to be there at eight, but there are guys, multiple guys in this draft with double digit sack numbers, come from good programs. Please, please, please look into that. I think this is the year that we take a Georgia Bulldog. And I'll, I don't know. We're talking about this. Whenever this podcast comes out, like, it's going to be known. Immediately out of date. Yeah. yeah. But that's okay. So it's good to get our predictions out. So then when users are listening, they'll we'll know like, whether we were right or idiots. wrong. Yeah. They probably, we probably did draft Malik Willis. No, they're, they're going to think that, man, these guys really know their shit. They predicted all of this. <laughs> um, so... I think we could take a defensive lineman with that first overall pick. I mean, eighth pick. Uh, but it better be a grown-ass man. If this guy weighs less than 260, I don't want him. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't need a 230-pound Vic Beasley no. playing D-end. No. You need a 265, 6'5", 6'5", guy is what, you, is what you're looking for. Sure. Maybe, sure. maybe more. Maybe if he's – who knows if this unicorn even exists at this point. But it's uh, – it will be fascinating to watch. This is this is going to be one of the most important drafts probably since shit, I don't even know. Can you think of like when a draft had this much riding on it for the Falcons? I mean, I know we kind of say that every year, but like really I think it means a lot because we are flipping the page here. 2008? Yeah, probably could be the most important draft since then. Speaking of Matt Ryan, did you hear what he said about his offensive linemen? I couldn't believe how, uh, how big, they big they were. How big <laughs> they were, yeah. <laughs> Which says a lot about yeah. Which, you know, I mean, you look at it; he's sacked forty plus times a year in the last four years. So yeah, I, I'm going to make a bold prediction, Adam. I know this will upset Mark Andre and a lot of other people out there, a lot of other users. I predict Matt Ryan will win at least one playoff game this year. He will throw for 4,500 yards and at least 30 touchdowns. I don't think that Mark Andre is going to care because it's not an Atlanta professional athlete anymore. Right. So you no, can, no, you can, Ryan's you out can of the city. It doesn't matter. You can jinx him all you want. Mm. That's my prediction. Is I think he's going to prove that he's not lit. It is going to be hilarious if he just is just terrible. Just terrible. <laughs> if, he's, if he's terrible behind that offensive line, then all right. Maybe people are onto something. But also, I don't think any quarterback would be successful here. So it's sort of a wash at that point. Either way. Um, we will be watching Matt with, with great interest. Um, yeah. What, so I know I, I keep going on the trenches, the trenches, and the trenches. What do you, what do you want? Yeah, you're over here. You're like a, a lieutenant in World War One, or something like that. World War One, Trench warfare, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> Just scrape it about yeah. digging those trenches. Uh, what do I want? Yes. I mean, you need everything. Right. The, the only thing you don't need is a kicker. 
We're squared away. We're squared away for the next five years. We're just going to kick her to a five-year extension. We need a punter now this year. Do not draft Have you heard about Punt God? No. I want that guy. That is his nickname, Punt Punt God. God. Okay. I don't remember. Is he a corner coffin uh, kicker? He kicked the ball like 85 yards one time last year. Jesus Christ. In the air? He didn't like roll? Like he honestly, yeah, in the air. Like he honestly could be like a third or fourth round pick. Yeah. I want Punt God. If we could just have punt a third god round pick on a punter, <laughs> punt god. If, if if you did that and you were the GM and I was the owner, I would fire you on the spot. Well, it's like what J- Janikowski was a was he a first round pick? No, Janikowski. I think no. he was because I'll look it up. I that don't. that bum from Florida State, the Tampa Bay, they drafted him in the second round. Uh, Aguayo. Oh yeah, like I don't think it was the second round. I think it was like the fourth. No, dude, he was a second rounder. What was it's not Janikowski? It was Janikowski. Sebastian. Sebastian. Yeah, Janikowski. Yeah, he was a There's first a, round pick. Yeah. Well, let's see. Let's let's see if you're. That's right some Al Davis shit. I don't know why you're looking it up. I'm. You're you're 100 right. Like 25 overall, something like that. 17th overall pick yeah. in 2000 NFL. Yeah. How about that? that? Good. How about that? Well, Jesus Christ. <laughs> No wonder the Raiders sucked the, yeah. almost the entirety of his career. Well, yeah, they draft kickers and like just the, the fastest person, whoever that is, quarterback, wide receiver. Let's take him at six overall. Like that's that's what they do. That's what happens when your owners get too invested in the organization. That's a classic example. That's Arthur Blank in it. Woof. Yeah, that's beyond Arthur Blank in it. A kicker in the first round. I yeah. had no idea. Yeah, put that into perspective, Graham. Man, yeah, you're surprising me with your Sebastian Janikowski knowledge. I'm proud of you. I like kickers. You do. You do like kickers, and you love punters. That's why I mean, we have what, like three third round picks this year, something like that. Let's take punt God. Yeah, I mean, and I would be fine also with drafting a receiver in the second or third round. Yeah, because there's a lot of really prolific receivers in the NFL today who were drafted. I mean, everybody's different, right? But like guys like Devontae Adams, DK Metcalf, um, AJ Brown, a couple other really uh, Debo Samuel is another guy drafted in like the third round. So it's so. Um, you know, you can you can find a receiver in the second or third round. You don't need to reach for a, a Julio Jones or, or there are, there probably isn't a Julio Jones type in this draft. But I, I would hate for us to to burn a a pick at eight on a receiver when you could probably get a receiver a little later in the draft that could turn into a great a great receiver. Yeah, no, I'm, we we need to take at least one or two receivers. Yeah, I'm not saying don't. I'm just saying yeah. don't do it. Not first round. First round. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Would you be fine with trading down? Sure. Yeah. I think I would be too. There's more picks you can accrue. And this draft is pretty deep overall. People are saying outside of quarterback, it seems like there's, you know, you could potentially draft a running back in the fourth or fifth round. We've had success doing that in the past with Coleman and Devontae Freeman. Yeah, Arthur Smith mentioned something about Patterson possibly playing a lot more wide receiver this year. I'd certainly be if, up for if, that. But it was like if. We find a rookie that we're comfortable giving the ball to. Yeah. So, I mean, that could be one of those third-round picks unless you go for punt god. Right. Punt god. <laughs> <laughs> if that happens tonight, I'm going to be like, punt god! going to be like, oh, my oh god. Not, not in the first round. Because What if that happened? What if that was who you're building your franchise? Yeah, I mean, I'd, punt god. I'd have to get behind it. I know. You'd have to buy his jersey. Yeah. You, although you're not a, you don't buy anything. Yeah, I don't buy it. You're not a gear guy. Brace <laughs> no. won the World Series. He buys nothing. Not a freaking thing. I'll get it at the thrift store in thrift like store year. in like fifteen years. Nah, nah. People have already given their stuff away after uh, this bad start. Right, eight and eleven people, start. People, Can't win a series. People quitting on the team. Wow. But let's let's transition to those Atlanta Braves, Graham. You want to talk about the Braves or the Hawks first? Wanna, oh, let's yeah, let's finish yeah. up the Hawks season. It's already over and it was so forgettable. Uh, I don't know. Well, it's forgettable for you. 
what a rough uh, rough series as predicted. The Heat win. They win best of seven series, four to one. Um, I had a great time at the one game we went to. Yes, we went to the game that the Hawks actually won. There's a bomb threat. There's a bomb threat. I yeah. got to hang out in the Omni for a while. Yeah, when... I, I got there really early um, for standing room only tickets and just standing there for a solid two and a half hours before <laughs> the game started because of the, the delay. Had at least, I think I had two drinks before the game even started. Yeah, it was really interesting being like hearing you being in the stadium, having no idea what's going on. And then we found out because cops wouldn't let us like walk up the normal drive on a Centennial Olympic that you would normally walk up. And they're like, are they shuttling people into the Omni? And it's just a mass of confused people going into the Omni. And it's like, oh, food court. Yeah, we'll get a beer while we're here. And thank God we did because then you check Twitter and there's all this bomb threat nonsense and they're still like shuffling people like, Oh no, go to that gate. So we think we're getting into the gate on the backside and we walk out there and that's closed as well. So now people are just like starting to get pissed. Yeah. So we went back inside and it was like 15 to 20 minutes away from feeling like a straight up like FEMA situation. Mm. Like people were like starting to freak out and panic. Really? Oh yeah. It was great because no one told us anything inside the stadium. It was just like, Oh, the game's delayed. And I was like, Oh, okay, whatever. You know, I was like, that's weird. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> and then I went to get a, a drink at one point and I just saw outside like lines of people not going anywhere. I was like, the hell is going on? And then I got your text message. Yeah. No, and it, it, was, it was very strange. It was interesting. Yeah. Not often a NBA game is delayed. But there you have it. But it turned out to be a great game, great finish. Had fun, felt good about the Hawks for like a little bit. And yeah. Then, and then that Sunday game started, and it was like, oh, no, 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 they we, we suck. These guys just don't have the – we've been saying it all year. They're just missing something. Yeah, there's a lack of I, – I will say this. The Hawks offensively were exposed in this series. I know we – you know, John Collins was not himself. We obviously missed Capella for the first game or maybe the first two games. I can't remember. We missed Capella for at least a couple games, I think. Um, you know, but we had, and I think it's a problem with Nate, Nate McMillan. I'm starting to really lose a lot of faith in him. Throughout this series, there was no adjustments made by Nate McMillan to this suffocating Miami Heat defense. I haven't seen defense play like that in an NBA game probably 20 years or something. I mean, that was just brutal. I am all over you. The rotations were amazing. There was one play, I think, in game four where Trey was coming down the court and he was picked up by Lowry, not Lowry, it was, uh, I can't remember their replacement point guard, but he was picked up by him. He rotated off of him and then rotated to someone else really quick, then picked up by Jimmy Butler, and then Jimmy Butler rotates off of him, and then Bam Adebayo comes out there and they just trap him. And it was just masterclass in how to just completely disrupt an offense. And I you know, and Trey just couldn't do anything. Trey did play like shit throughout pretty much the entire series, but Nate McMillan did nothing, absolutely nothing to sort of, you know, I don't know, fight back against this defense. It, it, there was no adjustments made and it was just the same thing every game. It was really really frustrating to watch. And he's gone on, you know, record saying he's not really an X's and O's coach. He kind of just lets his players do whatever. He said that? It's it's known. I mean, it was it was pretty much reported and and by Chris Kirshner in a couple of articles recently that McMillan just kind of lets the offense go, which makes sense. I mean, that, that's kind of how this 
offense has, you know, it's, it's player run. The coach doesn't really draw up a lot of plays as much, except for like very specific situations. Like, like you know, the inbound play at the end of game five where we couldn't get a shot up. I mean, that, that was the season in a nutshell. You had two opportunities to get a shot up to tie the game and save your season, and you get nothing? Yeah. Twice? Yeah. Like, he's just so predictable. Like, when DeAndre Hunter fouled out, I'm like, $1,000 says Gallinari's coming in who's had a terrible game. Mm-hmm. And sure enough. Yeah. He's also the guy that took DeLon Wright out of the rotation this year in favor of Lou Williams, even though Lou wasn't giving us anything. Yeah. DeLon Wright was a huge – I mean, he's not the greatest player in the world, but he's he's always a – he's our, probably our best perimeter defender and is a scrappy guy, gets offensive rebounds and put backs, and is not a terrible three-point shooter. And he wants to take him out in favor of Lou. I mean, he was probably our best player in this series. Like he was, him like, and DeAndre were like, probably the best players. He doesn't like light up the stat sheet, but he does so many things well. He's an effort guy. He he's like uh, you know how we're talking about we need defensive dogs. Yeah, he's like a defensive puppy. You know, he 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 can be a dog at times. He's not always a dog, but he he's the closest thing to a dog that we have as a defender. And um and just you saw like Spolstra dominated this in terms of a coaching matchup. Absolutely dominated. Nate McMillan. Nate McMillan also didn't like to call any timeouts when the Heat went on these insane runs. The game we were at, the Heat went on a 21-0 run. He does not call a timeout. Well, any time the Hawks got a, a, a modicum of momentum in the series, it felt like Spolster was calling a timeout. He was making an adjustment. He was shutting it down. Well, it is shocking. It's, it wasn't just the game. It was like three or four games in a row that Heat had at least like a 17 or 14-0 run. Yeah. Didn't call a timeout once for like three or four different games. 21-0 run in game uh, game three, the one we went to. 20-2 run in game five, and I think there was a 17-0 run in game four. They had one in game one or two as well. It's yeah. like, I don't know shit about basketball X's and O's, but I know if your team has a lot of momentum, you call a timeout. Yeah, and he, he said something really stupid too because he was like, I remember I just called a timeout. I think only like two, two minutes went off the clock or something. I think it had been five minutes had gone off the clock. He's clueless. I've, I've lost complete faith in Nick McMillan. I know he was given somewhat of a shitty hand this year in terms of um, in terms of the injuries and the COVID situation and things like that. But he has proved to not be a motivator of men. He does not know how to lead this locker room. And he has lost Trey Young. Trey Young was not in the huddle, as, as user Arthur Roach pointed out on Twitter to us. He was not in that, in that huddle. At, for the final play of the uh, of the game on in Game Five, he was not there. Everybody else was crowded around, and Nate McMillan didn't call him out for that. And now, if Trey Young's starting to become a malcontent or whatever, that's a huge problem. And I and some of that could be on Trey for sure. But your leader, your coach, has to be able to coach up his guys, and that kind of behavior is not acceptable. And and Nate McMillan let that happen, and I've lo- I want him gone. I, he has lost me as as a coach. He is not the guy to get this franchise over the hump yeah i mean for from trey's point of view like he is to blame as well for this series because oh, like yeah yeah they terrible. shut him down but trey did nothing about it and he he had plenty of open open looks that he missed yes he did. as well he was especially from three just yeah. absolutely atrocious only seven of 38 from three point land um only made 22 baskets had 30 assists to 30 turnovers he was he was awful I mean, I'm, I'm not just you know. There, there's no excuse for that that um, level of play from from your best player at all. But the Heat did a great job of taking him out of the game. It wasn't just like he sucked. It was he sucked, but the Heat's defense was also fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I could see them taking him out of game one or two, but then for it to continue going on the entire series. Yeah, it was really only game three was when he did anything. Yeah, 
And that was only because I think Lowry went out in that game. Um, and then they were able to figure out in game four and game five how to shut Trey down again. Yeah, man. It's the only reason, like, it's crazy how a franchise can go, like, last year at this time, or maybe in, like, June or July, we're saying, oh, this is the best franchise in Atlanta right now. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they've fallen off a big cliff. Yeah. I, I only still have faith because of uh, the Schlenk. Trust in Schlenk. I and started to lose faith in him as well. I have to yeah, he had a, well, he had a bad seat, especially, like not making any moves and getting rid of Cam Reddish. We could have used Cam Reddish. Yeah, but it's like Cam Reddish was trash the whole season. Well, play Kevin Knox then, man. Kevin Knox, know. whenever he played in the series, I know it was like in garbage time, but he, he showed up. That's another thing that Nate McMillan did uh, a ton during the season. He played Cam Reddish way too much. Cam Reddish? Yeah. Not during the series. I'm saying during the season. Oh. He played him way too much, and the Hawks were like, 12 games under 500 whenever Cam Reddish played, 28 and 20 when he did not. And there wasn't any pressure from the front office to do it. I, I don't know what the justification was for him playing that shoddily and still being used actively in the rotation. Um, it's just another strike against Nate McMillan. Well, I think at the time, we, like that's when we were killed by COVID. We had injuries left and right. We didn't have a lot of bodies no, but throughout it, that year. Even, even when we did, he was still getting a lot of usage overall. It's just frustrating. Um, but I still believe in Schlenk, and you know he is going to make some massive changes. He's got to show something. I think OP's learned that he cannot just get a bunch of jump shooters. That's all we have right now. No, he. That's what this season is. It's a lesson. It's a lesson for Trey. Trey's got to learn to play without the ball in his hand. I think that's going to be something we see. Um, it's a lesson for Schlenk. You need those veteran dogs in the locker room. And, uh, you know, Tony Ressler is going to be putting a lot of pressure on these guys to make shit right. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean. At the end of the day, I heard them talking on the radio about this today. It was like, I think Mark Jackson's like a big coaching candidate or something, which I don't think we're going to fire. I, I, I think, I agree with you, McMillan's not the guy going mm-hmm. forward. But we just signed him to a four-year extension. Generally, four years. Yeah, generally you're not gonna, and this was year one. So like, generally, it's just a good bad look for the franchise if you fire a coach after one season, you know. So that you might have a hard time attracting a decent coach if that happens. If he has a bad start to next year, then that's a different story. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like, if you are a top coaching candidate, would you rather come to Atlanta right now or like the Lakers? Obviously, the Lakers because you got LeBron. No, yeah. you got you got a 39 year old LeBron Anthony Anthony Davis is like. Did you see what happened in LA this oh, year? Yeah, they were terrible. But I'd yeah. rather I'd rather be able to say I have LeBron on my team and maybe we can figure it out than come here where you have nothing. You have Trey Young. What do you mean you have nothing? All you have is Trey Young. Trey Young's the only guy that you can really solidly build around. Everybody else is too inconsistent, or they're role players. Um, you have Trey Young and a lot of expiring contracts. And a motivated owner you have a motivated versus owner. a LeBron James who, like, if he doesn't like you after, you know, two months, you'll get fired. Sure. But I I don't know. I just think this this franchise is in really dire straits, and it's so weird how that, that happened. I don't – they have to prove a lot to me. And I feel like McMillan has lost a locker room, even though I agree with what you're saying. Uh, that would be a bad look. I don't really care. If you can't get your star player in the huddle – for for the last play of the season to save your season, 
then you are you are done. Hit the bricks, pal. Like I, that's, that is bullshit on both their parts. But the fact that the coach can get the player to listen to him to get in the fucking huddle on the last play, that's inexcusable. That's a, that's a hanging offense. I mean, Trey honestly shouldn't have even been on the court at that point. He was playing so poorly. But even still, like, right? if he's going to play, be in the huddle. Yeah, no, absolutely. But is yeah, I mean that's you can only do so much. Like that, that is on Trey as well. For sure. No, I agree. I totally agree. That's an awful attitude. No, that is. That, that, that makes me lose some respect for Trey, for sure. Like, I was I was really upset about that. Um, also, another thing that was really frustrating about this Hawks team is how much isolation we do. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of guys standing around, not doing anything. And it felt like every time we did start to move around and pass the ball a little bit, some good things would happen in this series. We would get some people open and get make some open shots. But there's just too much of you know one guy getting the ball, jacking up a bad contested shot, not not working um, the ball around the court, not setting screens. The screen game was non-existent. Um, it was so it was just it was awful. It was awful basketball. Was that game? I think that was game five when we were actually doing well, and then there was like that one at the beginning of the big run where. Was I think it was Herder trying to get the ball into John, and he passes it directly to the other teammate, slam dunk, and then two times in a row. Yeah, and that's like okay, we're done. Like we're not coming back from this yeah. game. Yeah, no, there's so many. That's what I gave up. Mental mistakes like that, the inbound stuff. I think there was three bad mm-hmm. inbounds plays. Two of those are back to back, like you said, and then Trey Young getting the technical near the end of the game. Yeah, when you're down seven or eight or whatever, he needs to shut the fuck up when a referee makes a call. I get so fucking like it's pissing me off. You lose so much energy bitching the referee. They're not going to change the call. Accept it and move on. I mean, this is not just a Trey Young thing, but he is he is barking back too much. He's getting te- I think he's got teed up twice in the series. Just walk away. You're not going to change anyone's mind. There are times when he would get stripped in the series, and he would look at the referee immediately as opposed to fighting for a loose ball. Yeah, bullshit. Trey's only 23, and he can. And, he, and the only reason I'm being so hard on him is because he is our guy. He is our future. He's our present. I love him to death, but he's doing some things that are absolutely inexcusable. Bitching the referee too much, not being in the huddle, getting technicals at bad, you know, bad, uh, bad moments when you absolutely should not be talking back to the referee. Taking poor shots from three-point land when you're not making any threes. If you're making threes, take those logo three-pointers. If you're in the zone, do it. But he just forces that shit way too often. It's terrible. Yeah, I mean, he's, they, he's better than this. They just completely shut him down, and he got frustrated and lost his cool yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah, he's got to mentally grow up. And a coach is not making any adjustments. Yeah, his coach is trash. It's, it's really frustrating. Yeah. I, I didn't think I was going to get this mad about about this series talking about this because I figured we'd lose. It's just the way we lost. Yeah, it was ugly, and it does like I realized John was hurt, but like I've never thought he was the guy. No, he's not your number two. And. We got a lot of money in him now. Yeah, and he's still a very solid player. He still put up a double double in one of those games after not playing for a month. I mean, he was trying as hard as he could. But you're right; he's getting paid kind of number two money, and he's definitely not a number two guy. So, like, they absolutely have to find a legit number two this off season. Oh yeah, which like, I st- I still think Trey Young can recruit a guy like that to want to come to Atlanta. Yeah, maybe he can recruit a good coach too. Yeah. But yeah, the season really was frustrating, and um, Hawks seemingly played like they did in the regular season throughout this series. After all the bitching about how boring the regular season was, blah blah blah, it was kind of like the same energy. There was only like a couple of moments 
where you saw them sort of rise to the occasion. DeAndre Hunter definitely rose to the occasion that last game. Now, where did that come he from? He played his ass off. Um, that's the DeAndre Hunter we need to see more often, but we didn't see that enough. Remember in Game 3, the game we went to, and they went on that huge run that he did. DeAndre Hunter missed like eight consecutive shots or something like that. I don't know what it was, but it was just like every time he got the ball, he missed the fucking shot. Oh, it was, it was just frustrating. But yeah, I'm not going to give up on DeAndre Hunter yet. I know a lot of people were, were calling for his head over the course of the season. Myself, somewhat being included in that, because I've, I've been very critical on him when he sort of disappeared. But he's not someone I'm going to give up on yet. He's still very young. We, and, and we've, you know, the majority of this team is, is really young. Trey Young's 23. He's already, obviously, he's already one of the top 10 offensive players in the NBA. His, his ceiling has not been hit. There's a lot of things he's got to work on. But yeah, It's problematic that the Heat just showed the entire league how to do it, how oh, to yeah. shut him down. Like a lot of teams were trying to trap him this year, but he was always able to kind of get out of it for the most part. Sometimes he turned the ball over, but it wasn't bad. He wasn't ever like shut down to this extent. The Heat played like psycho defense, man. They played like some – it was like um, – when I played high school basketball against Decatur High School, and we lost, I think, 85 to 24 or something. It was like outmatched, physical, just completely out of our league. Well, and, and this one, like game five, they're missing their best two players. Yeah, you're missing Butler and missing Lowry, and you still yeah. can't like win. That's in, such a winnable game. Yeah. Yeah. The entire time. Yeah. And um, Spolstra, once again, shows why he's one of the better coaches in the league. And he's not just a um, LeBron puppet, no. like a Tyron Lue sort of thing. Like, this guy knows how to take your – he's like a Belichick of the NBA in a way. He's maybe not as great as Belichick in terms of being a coach, but it's like he strategizes, man. He adjusts. It was amazing watching a coach call a timeout anytime he felt like the game was starting to slip away. Even the game they lost, he would still constantly make adjustments. I think we were just on a run. Like, Bogdanovich couldn't miss a three. Like, I mean, it was – it was sort of like a Herculean effort the Hawks had to make to win that game. Yeah, yeah. I still can't believe all those ridiculous 17-0 runs. Just like, yeah, call a timeout, man. Yeah, it's like, what are you doing? And the players just looked lost. And I, regroup. Yeah, get some fresh bodies out there. It's disgusting. Anything else we want to talk about with this uh, very angry, at least for me, Hawks segment? No, no. I think I think that that is actually a great time, Graham. To take a break. Yes. And here for our good friends at DraftKings. Love it. The NBA playoffs means next level basketball. Get in on the first round action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets instantly. You win no matter what. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet during the first round with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Plus, place a same-game parlay each day with three or more legs and get up to $25 in free bets back if one leg does not hit. Here's what you need to do, folks. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the first round of playoffs and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TPPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Adam, it's time. We're back. It's time to talk about the Atlanta Braves who still have not won 
maybe they'll change tonight, the night we're recording, but have not won a series to start the season. Yeah, and played some pretty pathetic teams that we didn't win series as well. Like the Reds. Reds definitely should have won that. The Reds, I believe, only have four wins now, and two of those were against us. Yes. And the Nationals have six wins, and two of those were against us. Yeah. I think the Marlins have a better record than we do right now. We haven't been swept, though. We haven't been swept. We've split two series. But the Cubs are another team that are rebuilding that we should be taking care of. And um, we have we have not done that, especially last night. This, this team just struggles to get hits and big moments. I know Dansby came through in the clutch finally last night in the whatever that was, the eighth, eighth or ninth inning. But, um, you know, and here's, you know, Mark Andre called this out a couple weeks ago. It might have been last week. But I told everybody when baseball was back that the runner on second and the extra innings was gone. I don't know who told me that. Might have been me. Could have been you. I think it was some other loser on Twitter, like a verified like baseball reporter, said there would be none of that bullshit anymore. But it's still here, and we still lost another game with it. Well, the um, seventh inning thing isn't there anymore. That's what it is. It was seventh I th- inning. I think that was the one you hated the most. Yes, that's. I hated that one, but I don't know. I really do hate the guy on second to start extra innings. But it just changes everything. Yeah, like it, it's it's almost worse to be the home team with yeah. that rule because like they can just build up so much momentum. Totally, and that's exactly what happened. Poor Matzik. I mean, he didn't pitch well, but he was also like it's immediately high pressure for the pitcher. The, the other team didn't earn that earn that uh, base runner. It's ridiculous. That game last night was brutal because, A, you get Morton not looking good again. We went, what, two and a third? Yeah, B, you, you rolled through the entire bullpen. I think they saved Will Smith. I think Smith pitched. No, no Smith pitched the night before. Yeah, he, he didn't pitch last night. And then you have your three best hitters coming up after tying that ball game up. In the ninth, you, we had Olsen, Riley, Ozuna with a chance to win the game. Strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. Yeah, that was that was brutal. And that that really pissed me off. They were all just terrible at bats as well. Um, so yeah, it was just bad all around. Hopefully, I mean, thank God today is Ronald Acuna Jr. Day. Yes. Um, here, here, he was called up today. I told you he was not. There's no way they were, we we're going to wait till May. No, especially and, with how bad we're playing and how well he'd been doing in uh, Gwinnett. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. Anthopolis finally made that call. Apparently, they FaceTimed him at like 1 a.m. this morning to ask if he wanted to come up and bat leadoff, and he like started crying or something like that. Yeah, he was screaming and crying. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. The, the guy just loves baseball. He wants to be back with his loves teammates baseball. so bad. He's gonna he's gonna bring a lot of energy back to this clubhouse, which is needed. Yes, and he he just deepens the lineup so much. Because now you can slide Ozzy down to fifth. And that's going to make a world of difference, having Ozzy protect Ozuna. Um, and then Darno behind Ozzy. So now one through six you feel a lot better about, as opposed to it was really only one through four or five. But even then, Ozzy isn't a great on-base guy. He's not the guy you want leading off. Are you sad that the Alex Dickerson era has already ended in Atlanta? No. The guy got a couple hits he last did. night. He did. And but he was so boring. Yeah, he was boring. and um, Can't play defense. No. And I'm a Travis Demerit guy myself. Ooh, I love what Travis Demerit's doing. Um, even last night, he, he, had, he hit the ball hard three times, one of which I thought was definitely going to be a home run. And we'll talk about that in a little bit with this, these balls not flying as far as they used to. But he hit the ball hard three times last night. He... Um, 
Also, I think he coerced a walk near the end of the game, but the night before that, um, hit a hit a home run, opposite field shot to put the Braves up two to one, which wound up being the decisive run. Played fantastic defense in the outfield, made a brilliant sliding catch in foul territory. It was just so nice to see a corner outfielder making a um, you know a play that was a little more difficult than your normal uh, average play after you know Arcia dropping that ball. I can't remember which game that was, but that was one of the recent series. Dropped a, um, it was the last time uh, Elder pitched. Mm-hmm. Dropped a ball at, at the wall. You know the Rosario. You know Rosario playing poor defense. Ozuna. You know trying his his hardest last night, but coming up short on a catch that probably a, a better uh, outfielder would have made. We just had so many horrific plays in the in the outfield. So it was great to see Travis Demerit step up. And I think you know he, he I think he's done enough and really you know only playing a few games to to warrant some more time. He's a he's a cool story in the that he used to be in the Braves organization um, back in like 2017. Yeah, I think we traded. 2018. He yeah. was a part of the Shane Green Shane trade Green. to yeah. Detroit. Yeah, got a little cup of coffee in the big leagues with Detroit. Ultimately, didn't pan out. Got released, I think this year, and then Anthopolis like still liked the guy and picked him up. And um, you know, it's good to see him get an opportunity with Rosario going out. At least we know why Rosario was so terrible. Um, yeah. He's getting, like, eye surgery. I think he got that yesterday or something. A hole in his retina or something. So that makes a lot of sense. So maybe we can recreate a little bit of the magic from last year with Rosario coming back in, like, midsummer. Yeah, I think Rosario is just <laughs> on, a, on a stage of his career where he needs to take the first, you know, two and a half months of the season off and then come back and play like a maniac. Hopefully that happens. You said he had a hole in his retina, Dr. Graham? Yes, what I heard. <laughs> you hear that around the water cooler around at the doctor's the, office yes, today? Yes, at uh, Piedmont Hospital. Yeah. You know, we are all standing around talking about our patients and how much money we make. And we were like, oh, yeah, Eddie Rosario, holding the retina. And we looked at the oncologist, and he was like, I, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I don't, that, that's, that's not uh, an eye doctor. That's You're looking for an optometrist. And the optometrist says, I only look at... Um, you know, I look at eyes, but I don't really like do any surgery on them. And I was like, well, who does that? And no one knew. A room full of doctors. No one knows who operates on eyes. So you're telling me doctors only know about their specialty and their complete dumbasses when it comes to anything outside of their specialty? Pretty much. You, you learn, it's sort of like in school, right? You learn what you absolutely have to in the subject you're not going to use later and cram, 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 cram. And then... You shit all that out right. once you graduate and you start focusing on what you you want to pursue. So like you you're a wrist and ankles guy. wrist and ankles guy. I'm, but, uh, yeah. but if something happens to the like the femur, fucked. You don't want to come to me. Do you, you know what a femur is though? That's in your leg. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know that much. That's right. right. You, you you retain a little bit. Okay, of information. that's good. That's good. Um, or you know, or someone like bludgeons you in the face and whatnot. You need to get like facial reconstructive surgery. Not, not someone well, should talk to. You're not the or guy. or like blunt trauma to the head. Don't know. Don't even know the first thing to do. No, I'm like you know that's like more of a hobby. You look into that every once in a while. And you're like, oh, that's just kind of interesting, but I'm not going to learn anything right. about it. You can't just, treat that. You're just the wrist and ankles guy. Wrist and ankles guy. Do, how's the how are the wrist and ankles looking for the Atlanta Braves squad so far this year? I think um, some players' wrists and ankles are in better shape than others. I think um, Dansby Swanson's wrists are a little askew. I think that's why he's striking out so much to lead baseball in strikeouts. Another three strikeout night, the uh, I think two nights ago. 
Same thing Adam Duvall. I think his his ankles are a little out of place. He can't really doesn't really have a firm center of balance. It might be because he's playing center field too much. I'm telling you, there's something to my theory that I like. He's his defense has been fine. It's, it's good, good out there, yeah. but like it's it's a lot to do running around. He's a left fielder, man. Yeah, he is. You know, I think it's also tough. He what is he like 34, 35? I, I haven't. Seen, yeah, he's like I think he's like thirty three. Even still, you know, it's not like he's uh, some young kid. You know, playing center field every day. So Acuna is playing right tonight. Um, I'm assuming it's still Duvall in center then, huh? Yep, we got Acuna in right, Olsen, Riley, Ozuna DHing, Ozzy, Darno, Duvall in center, Demerit in left. Oh, I mean, that's by far our best uh, defensive outfield we've had all year. Yeah, easily. And then Dansby ninth. Yeah, that lineup looks so much better. Yeah. So much better. Duvall seventh, that's where you want him. Mm-hmm. And but I think it's, it's an interesting phenomenon right now happening in baseball, which is they they dejuice the balls, and there have been a shit ton of flyouts that I thought were going to be home runs. Only watching Braves games, really, I haven't really watched too many other games this year. But I mean, that happened to your boy Dickerson a few times. It's happened to Duvall a few times. Uh, Matt Olson, you know, there have been a lot of a lot of guys who have you know seemingly crushed the ball. But they just dies on the. Oh, it's so track. like Riley hit one to center last night. It looked like the hardest ball I've. Ever oh yeah, me too. I was like, that's fucking gone. Yeah, and I was and like, well, I just died. Yeah, no, there. it's, which might be, uh, you know, we're kind of last year we were a home run team and we weren't great hitting with runners in scoring position. Yeah. So now, like, if we got dejuiced balls, then it's, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you're you're gonna have to be able to uh, do the small things. Right. Chip Carey's gonna go crazy. You're gonna have to like. Actually knock it through the hole in the shift. Maybe bunt. Bunt. Yeah. Steal bases. Right. Very strange. We don't have any base stealers. I mean, we got Acuna now, but like Acuna uh, and Ozzy. Ozzy, that's it. Yeah. Um, but that, that's that's the thing, though, is that I think this sort of devalues guys like uh, like Adam Duvall. Adam Duvall is kind of like built on home runs and defense. And if you take one of those away, he becomes borderline a below average player. Um or below replacement player. Like it's it's um I doubt Major League Baseball will make any changes. But it's just funny. I don't think you can really satisfy anyone. You know, it's been for the last few years we've heard oh, there's too many home runs. Everybody strikes out because everyone's trying to do too many home runs. And and now it's like there's no home runs and people are bitching about it. So it's there's just there's no way to win. Maybe there's a happy medium between these balls that have been like taken back to nineteen seventy four and the balls from twenty twenty. Maybe there's somewhere we can meet in the middle. But um it's not good for the Braves. I'm, I'm more of a less home runs guy myself. I, I prefer it personally too. Um, but I'm just we have to play about, small ball. Yeah, I need we, some we're not runs. built to do that. Yeah. That's the problem. Well, they're just gonna have to make an adjustment. Yeah, I mean Matt Olson can do anything, even though he's going through a little slump right now. But um, everyone else, you know, Acuna can also take it the other way. Austin Riley can, but the majority of these guys are up there just hacking. You know, the top two strikeout leaders in baseball, Dansby and Duvall are down there just trying to crush it every single pitch, seemingly. Yeah, Dansby needs to figure his shit out, man. Yeah, hopefully last night was a sign of something to come. Yeah, that was good to see you. Before we forget, Graham, we need to talk about Kyle Wright. We need to talk about Kyle Wright. We we completely ignored him last week because we're dumbasses, so let's make up for that right now. He has been amazing. Oh, yeah. Like, exactly what we thought he was going to be when we drafted him. And so many people, myself included, kind of gave up on him. Yeah. Until what we saw in the World Series. Right. Then it was like, hmm, interesting. And, yeah, he's been just unreal. Um, 
1.06 ERA, 0.76 WHIP in 17 innings, an amazing 26 <laughs> strikeout to two walk ratio, um, just fantastic. And you know he's really credited this turnaround with relying less on his uh, slider and more on his curveball, throwing his curveball somewhere between 20, per, I think 20 to 24 percent of his pitches. His slider's only down to like six percent, and you know he's really focusing on hammering that two seamer into guys and and throwing that curveball and um, you know working in the slider when he can, working to change it when he can. But those two pitches are really working for him, and he's just absolutely mystifying the opposition right now. He is our best pitcher, I'd say, at this moment. I'm not going to say he's going to be like that for the entire year. Obviously, Max Fried is still amazing as well, but damn, Kyle Wright has looked untouchable. Well. The fastball, curveball, that's what he threw in college. That was his bread and butter. Mm-hmm. And then um, sabermetrics kind of screwed him. Sabermetrics kind of pushed him towards the slider, which was never a pitch he was as comfortable with as his curveball. So being down in Gwinnett last year, he just realized, hey, it was his chance to just, like, work it out. Yeah. He said it sucked being down there, but it was the best thing that could have happened for his career. Yeah. And he, so really, he just looks like a man possessed. He does. And he really came on strong last year in, in Gwinnett. I think he was, you know, some really solid ERA and whip numbers, like in the twos and the ones and the low ones for the whip. So he, you know, and then he proved that that wasn't just, you know, a bunch of bullshit in the World Series last year. I mean, he, he saved that. Uh, I can't remember if that was game three or four when he came in and, and saved the day, but we, we might not have a championship without Kyle Wright. We've seen that a lot over the last like five, six, seven years with a lot of these young pitchers where they'll get to the majors, look great for a couple starts, then get hit a little bit and then just start like nitpicking on the corners. And you'll see a lot of three, two counts all the time, a lot of walks. And so that's what we saw with Kyle Wright. And now he's attacking. And already you see it with Bryce Elder who had like looked great his first couple starts. Now all of a sudden he's walking five guys. Yeah. He's, he's not trusting what got him here. Yeah. So, you know, same thing with Sean Newcomb, who's now a cub, which is awesome. Got Jesse Chavez. I back. love we got Jesse Chavez. Back. That was a good trade. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good trade. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just interesting. It's like guys don't trust that the thing that got them to the majors and just stick with that. Yeah, I wonder how much is them and how much is that of other people whispering in their ears, like you're talking about sabermetrics and stuff coming into play, pushing uh, right to go to the slider. Yeah, maybe um, it's an organizational issue. It could be. I mean, the, the proof is in the point a little bit. Like you mentioned, there's three there's three pitchers, and uh, Bryce Wilson you can probably put up there as well. You know, I know he's not here anymore, but Wasker, Wasker, yeah, for sure. Um, so Have, never really saw that with Ian Anderson though. I mean, he's been solid pretty much from day one. Yeah. So he's just a different breed, I guess. I guess. Um, Freed's pretty much been the same as as well. Like he's always been really good, and he's only gotten better as yeah. time has gone on. So it's not like everybody's suffering these things, but it's it's almost like um, you know when four, three or four people tell you you're drunk, you're probably drunk. Sort of deal is what's happening. Maybe there's some organizational uh, introspection that needs to happen. Happened last year with uh, what's his face, the six seven guy, lefty Muller. Oh, Muller, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, same thing, same thing. Yeah. So what's your what's your panic level right now for this team? Very low. Yeah, very low. I, I, I feel I feel really good about the bullpen still. Our boy Jansen is really like he just looks so good. Man. Shut down. So good. Shut so down. shut down. Feel, you feel good about the bullpen. I'm excited about Kyle Wright coming out of nowhere to be great. Max Freed, I'm still not worried about Morton. Yeah, Morton's stuck pretty much 
April and part of May last year. Yeah, as long as his fastball, as long as he's still throwing hard. He's just throwing some meatballs, though. Like, um, there was a ball Suzuki hit last night where he just hung this uh, off-speed pitch, and I was like, that's normally not what Charlie Morton does. I think it's just going to take a minute for the offense to get going, but I think Ronald is really going to rejuvenate us. The only only panic is how good the Mets have been so far, but... It's April, and that's when the Mets are good. Right. So, yeah, they're 14-6. and six. They have a five-and-a-half game lead on us. Um, and, yeah, it's uh, – they, they look – their pitching actually looks pretty – you know, guys like Bassett and Miguel have really stepped up in the absence of Jacob deGrom. And well, Mac, that, Max Scherzer what, has been fantastic. That's well. what's scary is that deGrom's not here. Yeah, and they're playing their asses off. So, it's a long season, though. We know the Mets have a tendency to met themselves – but they, they kind of have a different energy this year than they've had in recent years, I feel like. It feels, um, you know, Brandon Nimmo's healthy. He's playing really well. Lindor's not sucking. Um, it's just kind of like they're they're sort of – they're firing in all cylinders pretty much right now. 700 winning percentage. Yeah, we'll, we'll get them – I think we've got four, four games in three days with them next week. Yeah, I think starting so on Monday. I'm glad Acuna will be around for that. Yeah, I think this also sends – yeah, knock on wood – um, I think this also sends a message to the rest of the team, like, you know, get your shit in order. Like, there's a lot of people who need to get their shit in order. Dansby Swanson, Adam Duvall offensively. The strikeouts are just ridiculous. Um, yeah, let's not hawks it. Just because it's the regular season and we had success last year. Yeah, don't fuck around. Doesn't mean you don't can't get it going. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to fall 12 games behind the Mets. No, no you do not. Because, I mean, if you look up and, and at the end of May and you're down – 14 games. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm sorry. Like, I don't think we can do what we did last year. Well, there's probably like 17 wild cards this year. I don't even know what the playoff there's, rules there's, are. There's three wild cards. You can still get in the playoffs, but you you want to win the division. The, I mean, you don't have to win the division to win the World Series. I mean, the, the Nationals did it as recently as 2019, and other teams have done it plenty of times over the years, particularly when the wild card format ex, uh, expanded. But you want to be fucking around and look up at the end of May. You're you're down 14 games in the Mets. You don't want to do that. No. And, and this is the message sent now. Acuna is ready to go. The team needs to be ready to go. And and let's go out and and just take just win series. You should win. We should not be losing series to Miami. We should not be losing series to Washington. We should not be losing series to Cincinnati. Like you know, you split with the Padres. That's okay. The Padres are pretty good. Like I'll accept that. Um. But you cannot be losing to teams like that. Those are the times when you have to take advantage, particularly in your division. In Washington, Miami, we don't really consider them a threat this year, but you cannot mess around your vision. You play these guys 18, 19 times a year. Win those series against those lesser teams. Yeah, it's on the offense at this point, though. I'd say generally. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think... they got to get going. Yeah, the rotation the rotation's been a little, little shaky, though, I think. Um, Elder, shaky, even though I know he's very young. Charlie Morton's been terrible. Um, so, you know... When you're going out there every, you know, Hosker was bad too. So you're going out there every, uh, you know, two every, you know, two out of every five days, and your your pitching's below. You're starting pitching's below uh, expectation. That, that that sort of puts you mind the eight ball. But you're right. The offense. There are a lot of opportunities in that Marlins series where we had runners in scoring position. There's another game. Yeah, I think it was a Marlins game. We were like one for fourteen with runners in scoring position. There's plenty of opportunities in that Cubs game last night. I don't have the stats in front of me, but it was like. And we had bases loaded in like the third inning or whatever and just did nothing. Um, you're not going to succeed every time out. I understand that. But it's like more often than not, 
we are not getting, we're not finding the big hit in, in the big moment. It was like we can get guys on base. Like our OPS, I think, is like 10th in baseball as a team, but we're trash from the runners in scoring position. And that's a lot of that, I think, is like six, seven, eight, nine throughout this year has just been awful. Like if you just just survive that top five, uh, you know, people in the order, you're you're gonna be probably fine if you're playing us. But hopefully that changes with Acuna and Duvall and Dansby can't be this bad forever. You know, another guy I was checking in on recently. Imagine if Mike Soroka comes back and is somewhat of Mike Soroka. Yeah, I mean that'd be that'd be great if he can do that. Is it realistic? I don't know. They're saying All Star break. They're saying All Star break. We gotta. I mean, don't get your hopes up. Don't no. count on it. But that would be unbelievable. No, that would be a big boost if he could come back, and it would also just be an amazing story to come back from two Achilles tears and then come back to being a, a dominant pitcher again. I mean, he he was one of my favorite. Braves when he was going. Oh, know? yeah. It's just he, the he way the he pitches. Stuff, best yeah. stuff on the staff. Um, can, yeah, can you imagine if that hadn't happened and you had a, you know, three horsemen of the apocalypse right now with Wright, Soroka, and Freed, and then Charlie Morton could be your you know, your fourth starter kind of thing. Wright, Soroka, Freed, Anderson. And Morton. Morton. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, that'd be great. That's sick. Um, so. Yeah. I'm not going to worry about Charlie Morton. I think if Charlie Morton's still doing this by the end of May, I'm going to be like, all right, he needs to go. He's getting mad. He's going to, after this last one, he's going to be angry. He looked shocked being taken out of the game last night. I don't know if you saw his face when Snicker came out there. He he just like looked at him like, are you fucking kidding me? Well. But he, he also didn't pitch well. Didn't but he was, stuff, man. But it wasn't even like he was angry. He was more like shocked. He was like, I can't fucking believe this. I, I liked that Snicker like recognized it as a game where he didn't have it and he brought in like, Good pitchers the rest of the way. Yeah, it's not like yeah. he like brought in Sean Newcomb, you know. Who, I still don't know who why he can't he, anymore. I but still, it's like yeah. it, usually we've seen that trend where it's like, well, you got to go with your longest arm, and right, even if he's not good, right. And I, basically, I, giving the game away. I hate that. I hated that in that Dodgers game. We could have won that Dodgers game because then we 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 fucked around and scored four runs on Kershaw, and we would have taken the lead. But like he said, it's like you can't throw your main arms every single night. No, you, you can't. Won't, you won't have them by June. You just can't use Sean Newcomb in any situation. Yeah. That, that's I put that. I mean, Snickers shouldn't have done that, but I also put that on Anthopolis. Yeah, having Chavez defense. over him is just so much better. Fantastic. So much better. Yeah. So that's great. Let, let's put it on record tonight, Graham. Yeah. Do you think Ronald Acuna is going to hit a leadoff homer? No, but I think he gets on base at least twice tonight, either via the walker. I think he will get an extra base hit. I think second pitch home run. I love that. Um, it's almost the only reason I say it's not going to happen is because it's almost too expected at this point. He does that though. I know. I mean, it could certainly happen, but it's almost like it'd be a cliche if he did that. He's that good. He's a cliche guy. I, I love it. I just, yeah. I just, I'm going to go uh, contrarian here. That's fine. You want to make a wager? No, no. I'll give you uh, ten to one odds. The odds are against me. You get $10 on a $1 bet. That's fine. Does that have to be second pitch? Just for, uh, it'll be a Just first, first step at bat. bat. Yeah. Okay, I'll do that. All right. I hope I give you $10. Cheers. What would be, wor- what would be horrible is if we uh, that happens, I give you $10, and we lose like 8 to 1. That would be a kick in the nuts for me. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be happy about that result either. Yeah. So. What else in Braves world? Anything else we need to cover? I think that wraps it up this week, Graham. Yeah. 
Uh, let's look at the schedule. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see who we got coming up here. I know we got the Mets next week. Excuse me. We got we got a trip to, to Arlington to play the Rangers free game set Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The four against New York in New York. So that'll be uh, fascinating. I mean, like we talked about that already, but that's going to be a, a huge series. Like, let's say you get swept in that. You're already down four, four games. You're down eight games and freaking early May. It'd be awful. Um, then Milwaukee, then Boston. So you get you got you got a tough, um, you know, after playing some some cream puffs that you did not take advantage of um, for the most part, now you're getting tougher with New York, Milwaukee, and Boston. And then you go to San Diego after that. So that's... Um, we go to San Diego again? We don't go to San Diego. San Diego comes here. Oh. But yeah. I'm saying we have to play them again. So that's, that's four back-to-back brutal series. And the Rangers... You know, suck. So you're you're hoping that we can you know beat the crap out of them tonight. It'd be nice to take a four game winning streak into into uh, City Field. Got to get it going, Graham. Yes, yes. Hopefully, this is a spark that lights the fire to do it with Ronnie returning. And um, yeah, I guess that wraps up today's episode. Uh, we'll see what happens in the draft. We'll talk about it and and complain and. Well, hopefully, we won't complain. I don't want to complain. I'm, I'm I'm a little tired. I'm a little tired of complaining. I mean, I just hope we draft Punt God. I'm going to be happy. Number number eight overall pick. Well, not in the first round. Third well, round. What if that's how he was uh, when he is drafted, <laughs> if he is drafted? What if that's how they draft him? That'd be awesome. Yeah. With the, for, <laughs> the 200th pick in the NFL draft, the Atlanta Falcons select Punt God. Let me make sure I got that name right before we go offline. Yeah, that'd be uh, embarrassing. <laughs> I referenced... That'd be almost as embarrassing as not talking about Kyle Wright uh, last I, time. I referenced Punt God a lot. Oh, yeah. Punt God Matt Areza. Matt Areza. He played... Let's see here. Punt God or Punt Fraud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I want this guy. Give me, Give me some more details. Averaging 51.19 yards per punt. Where do you go to school? Uh, San Diego State. San Diego State, okay. Yep. He's the all-time single-season average punt distance leader. He's also highly accurate as a punter with 37 of his 79 punts landing inside at the opponent's 20 and just uh, 15 touchbacks. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to get him, Graham. Okay. Yep. You heard it here first, folks. When punt got his called. By the Falcons, you can you can look to uh, this show and be like, Adam was right. Oh, yeah. All right. Until next time, thanks for listening. Rise up, chop on, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospital Hospital